Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sonny D. All right, let's get into it. Uh, fucking hockey. So... Zach Warinski uh, re-signed a three-year deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, the Columbus Blue Jackets got depleted uh, this summer. I don't think any of their big acquisitions, I think all of them left, and their two big free agents left. Uh, Panarin to New York, uh, and with that kid, new Finnish kid, Capo Caco, or Caco Capo, I'm not sure which way it goes, uh, but uh, with that kid and Panarin, the Rangers kind of might have put themselves right back into, uh, con- not contention, but they may have made themselves relevant again in the Eastern Conference for sure. Uh, the other side of that is uh, Sergei Bobrovsky went to Florida. That, of course, alleviated by uh, Roberto Luongo announcing his retirement from the NHL. So that'll be interesting as well now. Bobrovsky gets a fresh start, uh, especially under Coach Quenville. A lot of people have kind of taken the Florida Panthers as a sound sleeper to be a contender in the next couple of years. I could very much see that. I didn't think Quenville was going to come back to a team that he didn't believe had a genuine shot at winning the Stanley Cup. So that'll be interesting to see. Of course, they lost Duchesne and Dezingle. Uh, Duchesne to Columbus. So that's a big move there. Now Columbus is kind of... I know, or not to Columbus, to Nashville. They lost him to Nashville. I apologize. Nashville's interest in there. They uh, traded away uh, P.K. Subban, probably to free up some room. Nonetheless, uh, the Predators, again, put themselves in a potential uh, situation, again, to be the measuring stick in the Western Conference. Uh, they've kind of been a good team at, adju- as a, at adjusting on the go over the last few years. Um, picking up key players, making big moves, and not afraid to make big moves to kind of stay on top of the Western Conference. Uh, they did win, or at least on top of their division. Uh, they did win the Central Division again last year uh, after we uh, had our big collapse here in Winnipeg uh, where the Jets completely blew the division. Uh, no excuse for that. That was just absolutely embarrassing as a Jets fan. But nonetheless, uh, here we are uh, going into the new year. Big thing I wanted to talk, so uh, big thing I wanted to talk about was uh, a few of the restrictive free agents, and as I said, Zach Warinsky resigned, and this was after uh, Tortorella just said how disgusted he would be if a player if uh, Warinsky missed training camp, and I mean, as I said, this is a Columbus team that has been depleted. They lost as all their big stars, so we'll see. Uh, I think the expectations are low in Columbus this year. I mean, they'd have to be; they're not going to be the same as last year. Uh, as I said, too, uh, on the podcast a while ago, I don't think John Tortorella's job is the one that's in the hot seat as much as their general manager, Jarmo Kekalainen. Uh, I think they were at least a couple of rounds away from truly solidifying his job. I think he's kind of on the hot seat. I don't know if there's uh, much of a general manager market as of right now in the NHL. Uh, probably the highest profile that I can think of would be Peter Shirelli. But after what happened in Edmonton, I don't know how many teams are going to be lining up uh, to give Shirelli a job. And, I mean, this it's funny because Shirelli was the guy that built 
the Boston dynasty. I think they won the cup with Shirelli as their general manager. They would have had to in 2010. And then goes and just implodes the Oilers. Uh, that was a direction I don't think anybody expected uh, for the Oilers. And it's tough to see. I mean, Connor McDavid's in his prime years. So, again, this is going to be, I think, a make-or-break year uh, for the Oilers in terms of that attractiveness to Connor McDavid. I know he signed the big deal, but who the fuck wouldn't make trades and make the room to get Connor McDavid? He is the best of his generation. That'll go down by far. I think number two is going to be Austin Matthews. I think Austin Matthews is a hell of a player. Look for a big year from Matthews. Uh, I could see Matthews, uh, well, not easily, but I could see him uh, being the one to push uh, Ovechkin for the uh, Rocket Richard Trophy. I I actually predicted a while ago on the podcast, I think Matthews and McDavid have huge years. They're going to push each other, and I think those are the two that are going to be competing for the Art Ross. It's going to be a three-person race. uh, Probably there, Kucherov. I mean, it's hard to imagine he just disappears. There's always Sid the Kid. Uh, and then in for the uh, Richard Trophy, I don't know that Dreisaitl scores 50 goals again this year. Now, if he's playing with McDavid, it's very doable. But nonetheless, I'm not banking on it. I could see him getting to 40. Uh, but it depends, again, how much new head coach Dave Tippett has him playing with uh, McDavid. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, but... Uh, nonetheless, it'll be, uh, I think, a three-person race for the Richard Trophy between Ovechkin, Matthews, and McDavid. I think McDavid goes for his first 50-goal season this year. I think uh, McDavid could very well take back the Art Ross Trophy, which he lost last year. That's kind of like a belt, right? You lose your title as Art Ross Trophy winner. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. I don't know uh, per se that uh, any of these guys will do that. But, I mean, those are my predictions. I do think uh, those are the ones to watch. Uh, interesting is going to be the storyline in net. Uh, load management has become a big thing now in team sports uh, since kind of it was made a big deal in Toronto with Kawhi Leonard and matching hit, uh, and doing the load management there and seeing, I mean, they won the championship. I've long said a lot of the starting goalies in the NHL are playing too many games. I think if you can reduce your starting goalie to playing 56 to 60 games, uh, I think you're going to get uh, a better number one goalie going in. It, they're just It's less wear and tear on the body. Uh, but there's also that balance of keeping sharp, right? And, and that's why you want to get paid the big money as the number one. So it's, are you winning a higher percentage of your starts? Uh, it's for those playoff starts. All of those things. And I think you're going to see some of that load management come into play this year in the NHL for goalies. Uh, Freddie Anderson was already talking about that. Uh, he's been a bit plagued by injuries at times. He's also kind of at sometimes struggled with his sharpness, right? So it'll be interesting to see there. Maybe there is that load management now where he takes that time to work with his coaches. So the backup gets a couple of starts in a row and Freddie's kind of getting Freddie, being Freddie, doing what Freddie needs to do. And I could see that for a lot of other goalies. Sergei Bobrovsky, probably the most overworked or one of them, he uh, will get a new chance. I mean, might be overworked again in Florida, but at least Florida, I think, is going to be better positioned uh, to do well than Columbus was last year. There was talk going into July 1st that Florida was going to get both Bobrovsky and Panarin. I was actually down in Vegas at that time, and I wanted to put in a bet so badly on the Florida Panthers to win the Stanley Cup. 
I didn't end up doing it, but I was like, and I was the night before free agents. I was like, shit, I forgot. And my buddy's like, what? And I said, I was going to put a bet on Florida to win. He says, why? I said, I think they're getting both Panarin and Bobrovsky tomorrow. And he's like, fuck, if they do. And I said, if they do, how are they not uh, top contenders to win the cup? So it'll be interesting to see there, uh, especially in Tampa Bay coming off the disappointment last year. What's going to happen there? But they've kind of gotten everything under wraps in Tampa Bay. All their players are coming back. Everybody got signed, as far as I understand. I think Braden Point is the holdout there. Uh, but nonetheless, there's three big holdouts right now, or four, uh, across Canada and the Canadian teams. And those are none other than Matthew Kachuk in Calgary. I think that's the right one of the Kachuk brothers. Uh, but nonetheless, Matthew Kachuk in, in Calgary. Uh... Then there's, yeah, because it was the little brother that had, that's, it was his first season this year. Yeah, the other Kachuk for Ottawa. Uh, nonetheless, in, in Winnipeg, there's Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor. And then, of course, Toronto, there's Mitch Marner. Now, I heard Jane Dan this morning on Jane Dan, uh, on Sports Night with Jane Dan kind of throw, float around the idea, hey, maybe that's how you get Marner to sign, offer him the captaincy. Uh, I don't know if that's what you need to do or should be doing uh, necessarily to bring back Mitch Marner, but... It's tough to miss time. And especially some of the, like, of all of the teams, Winnipeg, in my opinion, is the one that can't afford to be losing time with Lion and Connor. I think of those three teams, they were the one that took the biggest step back last year and then this year. Uh, I think they're going through a semi-rebuild, whether they want to admit it to their fans or not. I do think that is the case uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. To lose Lion and Connor for any amount of time is not a good idea. Now, Connor, I think, has a little more going for him than Line is. I think Connor could miss a couple of games and come in and adjust himself right away. It's the type of player he is, it's the role he plays, it's the position he plays. Uh, also, he, I mean, Kyle Connor can do things without the puck. Patrick Line, as I've long said, the biggest knock on him is whilst he does have that generational shot, without the puck, he's not much. Like, there isn't much going on. Uh, in terms of utility, he's one of the weaker skaters uh, in the league. Uh, that's evident. Uh, he's not very, I mean, they don't really use him defensively. And unless he's they're putting him in a position to score or whatnot, I mean, he had a couple of decent passes last season. His big thing is his shot. And if his shot's not going for him, and he always takes some time to get into the groove, if he's missing that time, I don't know. And I mean, I think that could be part of it as well. His value is... It's kind of tied to his production, especially considering he's coming off of a down year. I mean, all players' values are tied to their production. But for Patrick Laine, it's a make-or-break situation because if he comes back from last year, has a dynamite year, then all of a sudden play, people, uh, the team's like, okay, he's getting big money again in his renewal. If he isn't, this could be the biggest contract that, you know, on an annual basis that he might sign. This might be bigger than his next contract. So there's that dynamic too. Kyle Connor, I think, is still going to get better. I do think if he gets a full season, don't be surprised that he is your number one jet point getter. I think he'll, I think he could do it. I think he could uh, take Shifley. But it's also going to provide a nice competition there for Shifley and Connor, and they can feed off each other. No different than Yager and Lemieux were doing in the 90s. I think you could kind of see a Shifley Connor dynamic there. Only thing is I don't want to see it wasted on a Jet team that isn't making the playoffs. So I'm hoping the Jets can get their shit together, maybe make some big trades, who knows, and just, you know, 
don't lose that momentum they had gathered over the last couple of years this year. And that's my fear for them. But those are two situations there where I think you need to really get those players. And to a team, the value of having those players back is so important. Toronto's quite deep, uh, player uh, talent-wise. Uh, they did free up room uh, with Nazem, uh, by trading Nazem Kadri to the Colorado Avalanche. Some people felt, you know, because of his, you know, maybe his on-ice antics and whatnot and some of his temper issues, they decided, okay, you know what, you're the one that's going to go. Who knows? Uh, if they'd had Kadri, I mean, that puts them really deep at center. But, you know what, it is what it is. But they need to get Marner in there too. You want the Leafs, this is a make-or-break season in a different way. Because the Leafs this year should be taking that next step. Getting eliminated in the first round again this year is just not acceptable for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I mean, Mike Babcock might have more pressure on him than any coach in the NHL at this point going into this season, in my opinion. Uh, the, just getting there is no longer enough for the Leafs. Uh, for their fan base, for the casual hockey fan, for the serious hockey fan, for the hockey analyst, for everybody... It's just not good enough. The Leafs need to start fucking winning. So, again, getting Marner in there right away. You could have three guys on that Leafs team getting over 100 points. If not three guys getting over 110 points. So, get him back. Get him signed. Whatever it takes. Gotta get it done at this point. Uh, I mean, and he's at least he's going over. I think he's now in Switzerland. Because uh, the deal is he's going to play over there. So at least it's not like he's losing years by sitting down on the couch or just riding the bike and, and, and working out in the gym. He's getting in those hockey minutes, those rep minutes, those game minutes. And that's why it's so important, in my opinion, for players to be kind of trying to get the deals done and getting into training camp, playing those exhibition games. Because there's nothing like game shape. Nothing gets you quite ready for game shape like playing the game. And playing it at game speed. You know, everybody's a little slow out of the gates. But within a couple of weeks, teams are going. And you need to be on top of that. So I think, and I mean, look at Willie Nylander last year. Fucking guy cashed in. But, I mean, again, hot seat there. I, that's a guy who's got to show up this season. So I don't want to see that to happen too many Matthew Kachuk, it's an interesting thing there. Because Calgary is such a relatively young team, I'm not sure what they've done about their goaltending situation. But the fact that they won the Western Conference last year and then again got eliminated in the first round, which I had predicted. I did think Colorado was going to be too much for them. They're looking to take a next step as well. Now, that Pacific Division is relatively tough. Uh, you do have some teams that I think have fallen a little bit. But again... You still have the Sharks. You still have Vegas. So essentially, you have a couple of teams battling for that third spot. You always have the Kings that just always stick around. You have uh, the Edmonton Oilers, and you have the Calgary Flames. I don't know that you're going to see Vancouver really make a charge for a playoff spot this year. Uh, sorry, Canucks fans. But regardless, again, young player, get him back in the fold. Try to build off of last year. I hate when teams are like, oh, well, we had a good enough time. Let's just, you know, we'll get there again. No, no, no. You need to keep building and putting the work. And part of putting that work is having your whole team there. Uh, but again, the rhetoric there and the line and storyline has been each of these teams is kind of playing chicken with the other. As long as ours is your stars are out, 
it's okay for hours to be out as well. And I think organizations are playing that, and players are kind of playing off of each other. Whether they'll admit it or not, there's a little bit of gamesmanship happening kind of in every direction here. You are seeing uh, the players being like, hey, whatever he gets, that's what I want. And I think it goes year by year. Now, there was a, I forget who it was uh, that was talking on Leafs Lunch, but there's a great point brought up in that some of these contracts are getting so rich, and unless the salary cap drastically increases, you're locking up your money today because the next one of you is going to come up in four years, and they're going to get that contract, right? So now you're the one on the trading block. You're the one who isn't going to be part of the team. And that's kind of that idea of the window of opportunity for teams. So... Whilst that's, you know, that's something there to look at as well. Now, he did bring up a good point. Pray for the strengthening of the Canadian dollar. The Canadian dollar gets stronger. The cap will see a big boost. Uh, and then maybe, and, and that could be what players are looking out for as well. Let's see what the economics are. There's a lot of talk of recession. There's a lot of talk of Canadian dollar strengthening. We're not in a recession. It's just going to be a little, you know, we're not going to see the big 10 and 15% gains in the market. Well, whatever it might be. Maybe some of these agents are thinking that as well. Hey, economics could change drastically in two years, right? If you're gambling on the upswing, you know, maybe you're telling your players, hey, you don't want to be locked in for five, six years because you could be getting more money in two years from now or three years from now, right? So it's an interesting games, uh, game that's being played on kind of different levels, but all sides involved. As I've said, the, the Leafs are one of the teams that could probably play this waiting out game the longest in terms of their talent depth. The Jets take some but the Jets are a fairly deep team as well, but losing two of their top players, and I mean two of arguably their four best players, is a big hit. You know, because it's a big drop skill-wise and talent-wise on the Jets once you get past those big four, Shifley, Wheeler, Line A, and Connor. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers is in there as well, so the five. So two of their top five players... That's a lot of fucking players to be out. And I mean, at that top of your game. Now, don't get me wrong. Mitch Marner is a top three player for the Leafs. But right below him, I mean, you have other top tier players and other role players that can kind of step in if need be. Brought in Jason Spezza. It'll be interesting to see if he has a bounce back year this year. Uh, But nonetheless, Leafs, I think, are in the best position possibly uh, to get through this waiting it out with Marner. But I think once you see one of those big guy, one of those big names sign, you're going to kind of see the dominoes fall. And who knows? Maybe one player just says, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to sign, get in there, show them, and then, you know, be like, show me the money in a few years, right? So we'll see how this all plays out. But it is concerning. The NHL season is around the corner, uh, we're about a month away, I'm assuming, from the start. I think training camp starts this weekend. I mean, a lot of player, a lot of uh, teams already have had players reporting. Uh, so whether the formal hard part of training camp begins or just the informal part right now, it is underway. It is time to be skating with your teammates, doing the drills, getting that muscle memory back in key. So we'll see. But I think, honestly, it's dragging on a little too long. And there's, and there's different factors, but these players need to get signed. And it, the other side of it too, right, is for those teams that are in those positions like Calgary where it's, a, where it's two, you know, there's teams battling for that last spot. 
You want to make sure you're putting your best foot forward and not having to make up ground. Making up ground is so hard. And don't use the St. Louis Blues. Oh, anybody can do what St. Louis did last year. Nope. No, they can't. That's why it was a one-time thing. That's why it happened for the first time ever last year. Right? And I think a lot of teams took St. Louis for granted. Oh, as the glass, as the uh, clock struck midnight. It never fucking did because they just kept working. And it was very similar to kind of Las Vegas the year before. They just said, we're going to outwork our opponents. We are going to be the team that works harder night in and night out until they ran into a team that was more skilled and worked just as hard, if not outworked them in the Washington Capitals. St. Louis probably saw that and was like, fuck it, you can't take your foot off the fucking gas. Went for it, won the cup. So... Again, we'll be interesting to see, but that's not a game I'd want to get into. So as we look, get into the kind of the preseason and training camp time of year for the NHL, it'll be interesting to see which player is the first one to sign. I actually think the easiest one, in my opinion, to get a deal done is Kyle Connor. Of the big four Canadian restricted free agents, I think Kyle Connor is the deal that can get done the easiest. I think you could pay him six mil a year if not, you know, I don't know what the free space is for the Jets, but if he's wanting five to six, I think you could give it to him and I think you could find an attractive term. I think Kyle Connor is your number two player or is what your one A, one B, him and Shifley. They're gonna push each other. So I think Kyle Connor's the deal that makes the most sense to try with urgency to get it done. Marner, it's again to get him back in the fold. Toronto has a chance again. 300-point players, not 110-point players. So we'll see how this all plays out. Nonetheless, just felt it was something to talk about, so I brought it up today. Anyway, I thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. Take care, and bye-bye for now. Oh, wait, and if you aren't already doing so, follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at the dude Sunny D. Take care, bye-bye for now.